the Divorce Is Not An Option podcast. It's your mans, Stephen James Dixon, Tamara Gillespie. Please be sure to subscribe and follow our podcast on all podcast platforms. Don't just listen to an episode. Subscribe to follow the podcast. To subscribe, search for the name Divorce Is Not An Option on your podcast platform of choice. The purpose of subscribing is so that each week when we produce a new episode, that episode will be delivered to your mobile device or email automatically, seamlessly, effortlessly. You don't have to do anything. You just get it. It just it just come right in. You just get a message, bing, pop up, hey, new episode, divorce not an option, check it out. We appreciate those of you who listen on Facebook to our podcast, but you cannot subscribe to Facebook. You can only subscribe on podcast platforms like iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, YouTube, Spreaker, Stitcher, just to name a few. For any questions on how to subscribe to the Divorce Is Not Option podcast, email me, ask at stephenjamesdixon.com. It's going to be an interesting show, doing something a little different. Uh, for real, for real. You want, you want to let folks what we don't love? So the, so the title of the show is going to be called Why We Should Be Happy That Tomorrow Donald Trump Will Be Inaugurated As Our 45th President. And that is 45th. a question for you. Yeah, 45th. I was kind of hoping we would get Biden for a day, but oh well. Nah, you. I saw people talking about that. I'm glad you brought that up. <laughs> I was like, get out of here with that. No way. That would be so awesome. That would be so player. I'm not feeling Biden like that, man. He cool or whatnot, but I'm not. You know why? I always why? I always had this sneaky feeling about Biden. I always had this sneaky feeling about Biden that that he he cares, but I don't know, he just does just enough to seem like he cares. But what have you really done done? You know, I don't I don't know. I just I did you agree watch with that? You, I think he's wait, real. Wait, did you watch? Did you watch the um when uh old girl Anita Hill um yes went after Clarence Thomas yes and the role that Biden played in that yes of course I don't I'm not like I read the biography or anything like that so I don't know how true the role was right 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 but I mean yeah. I think at the end of the day it was kind of a mess and um. It's kind of it was a difficult position for him. Like I, I don't fault him for what he did, and he 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 didn't want any part of it. I understand that, um, but he you know did his job to the best of his ability. I think I don't know, but he's not getting no day though. Um, you know, so I sure would have liked for him to have a day. I really really do. Um, and and I mean to top it all off, the whole piece that is his thoughts would have been that Trump's. All his literature, all of his, you know, uh, paraphernalia, everything would be off because he would be the 46th president, not the 45th. Man, I ain't worried with that dude. Um, <laughs> that thoughts on uh, <laughs> thoughts on Obama going out of the office? Thoughts on the last eight years? Oh, I want to cry. Um, well, I, I I see it on two sides. Like I'm gonna miss just the picture of the first family. I think that they just weren't awesome representation of us you know because that's always what our role is um but i do think that this frees him up to actually really get something done and i I pray that he he recognizes that and that he uses his notoriety to become a community activist 
on a national and global level and actually get something done that he couldn't get done as president. I've read that he's starting an organization that is going to be for building talent in the Democratic Party, per se. Um, that would be good. A good start. Right. Because he, he does know how to campaign. Like yes. I sent you an article earlier in the week where he talked about he was able to campaign and explain policies during the campaign, but he might not have been a good enough communicator of his policies while in office. There is an article where he admits, and there was an interview where he said something to the effect of he did a better job of campaigning and getting people to buy into what he was trying to get accomplished. And he may not have done as good a job at selling as a president, meaning like, you know, campaigning is different. You just go out. Yes, we can. And you know that you have to be simple, you know, because you're talking to, uh, you know, 30,000 people or whatever. You had to give simple, consistent, clear remarks. But you can't do that in policy. Donald Trump is about to do it. Okay, so Donald Trump is dumbing (laughs) down everything because he needs it to be dumbed down. But I mean, like, remember when Obamacare first came out? You tried to read it. I tried to read it. It was like thousands of pages. Yeah. Thousands of pages. So how do you communicate that? Exactly. That's what I'm saying. So when you're talking about policy and all these things, they, they tag on all these writers, you know, so it's not ever just like some you know, little policy or snippet that they feed, you know, the public. But the reality is there's so much more to it. But the point of it is, too, is that, yes, it's hard to say that type of thing. But that's why we're losing, I think, as Democrats, because Republicans come out and they tell a simple, clear, concise lie. And then Democrats try to explain something. Well, today, so that's why we got to look at communication now, right? This communication, social networking, a tweet, 140 characters. Donald Trump is dominating tweets. Obama can't tweet like that. He he, he would want to explain things. And Obama is con- considerate he's an of intellectual, right? He's considerate and of Trump how people understand. He ain't at all. We don't use ain't when we talk about Trump. Exactly. It's okay, right? We use improper English, bro. Talking about Trump, <laughs> but Obama wants to explain things, and Obama's uh, considerate of how a person receives the message, right? Because yes. that's a part of communication. Trump don't care how you receive it. He really doesn't. And the other thing is Obama is concerned about all parties reaching an agreement. Trump don't care about that either. Right. Only care. Uh, uh, additionally, Trump only cares about the people that he cares about. He don't care. He don't care. He's not going to be president for everybody. No, 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 no. Trump don't care about the people that he cares about. Trump only cares about Trump. So how do you feel about the argument about Obama not doing enough for black people? I agree. Um and but I do see it from two sides. Like one, I see where Obama said, "Hey, I am the president of the United States of America. I'm not the president of Black people." Um, but I do feel like he tried. I do feel like you know, towards the end, um, when he was trying to get into prison reform and um, he was trying to do some more things, I I, I do think that um, there was an effort there. But I think that there could have been more done. Um, the, the biggest thing that kind of gets me, the biggest argument that I've heard that I'm like, I, I have no rebuttal for that. He got so many gay rights, you know, policies pushed through and nothing was pushed through for, you know, minorities. And the reality is gay people are 4% of the population. I actually had this conversation earlier this week with someone and they actually pointed out to me that he also pushed through a policy to uh, save money for victims of the Holocaust, I'm oh, not wow. to send you that one. Yeah, okay. like like five like five million dollars or something like that 
was set aside for victims of the Holocaust. I'm like, what about victims of slavery? Right. You know, so, so I, I agree with you on those things. And I agree, too, that it was hard for him to do anything as a black man. I get that. That's what you're saying, right? Right. Exactly. And so, um, but having said that, him being a black man was huge to be president for us. Yes. I mean, that that was um, a major, I think that was a major accomplishment for for America, period. Well, I'm even, I mean, I mean that on a personal level in terms of, I just saw a picture of Obama and a little black kid, probably like six, seven, and he had to lean over so the kid could touch his hair. And so, yeah. the, the, I, did you see that? Yeah, and the the child said to Obama, "I just want to see if your hair feels like mine." See that alone to me is enough. When when I say, "What have you done for black people?" Really, on a sentimental, oh, emotional yes, side, right. like that to me, just and then uh, and then uh, and then personal, you know, experience of like at one point we have my son has this thing in school every day, every year uh-huh. where they uh-huh. do something about the culture, and so everyone else has a real culture, like you Japanese, so you wear. Japanese garb or you Indian, so you wear Indian garb or you Latino or whatever you are, you know, but African Americans don't really have a culture. Our culture was robbed from us when we were thrown on a boat and shipped over here, right? And so I I couldn't, and and Martin Luther King is not a, he's bigger than a culture to me. Right. You know what I mean? He's he's not just black, even though he was a black man, but he, he specifically talked more about civil rights than rights for black people, right? Mm-hmm. And so I don't feel like that, the the culture, but for, but for some reason, I don't know, maybe you see what you think about it. I felt like my son could dress up as Barack Obama and I felt good about that. Yeah, I mean, and, and I completely agree with that. And I think I, I was awesome. I saw a clip from a Jimmy Kimmel episode where um, they had people come and they just stood them in front of a picture of Michelle Obama and said, tell her how you feel. And then she actually stepped out from a curtain and they were like, oh my gosh, this is Michelle Obama. Um, And people were saying, and this is white, black, male, female, thank you for being a role model. And it's just amazing to me that the first family has put a whole new perception of blackness in the United States. You know what I mean? They're not going to be scared of us no more? Well, I don't know about no, no not scared of this, but I mean, they can see that we can run stuff and take, you know, and take control and handle things and, and carry ourselves, you know, accordingly. I did. I did see that, too. I, I And I and I, I remember seeing the white man like kind of melt. Yes. And just in the in the he had a, a very sweet, sensitive, uh, thankful, you know, message to Michelle. And you could tell he was just like being humble. Yes, and then, and then when he talked about his daughter, yeah. was this the same guy who was talking about the example she, yep. she set for his daughter? I loved that. Yep, that a white man came on and talked about Michelle Obama setting an example for his daughter. Exactly. You know, and I, I mean, that, that's amazing, you know. Um, I wish he could have did more, like I said, like I said about black for black people. I'm going to give him a pass agree. on black people. I'm going to give him a pass, though. You give him a pass, too, right? I am. Um, I, I think, honestly, though, my pass is contingent on him actually doing something now. So okay. I give him but a I'm pass not. because you have some, 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 your hands tied in some ways in that office, but now he has the power and the platform to really affect change. Um, so even uh, like the, the affordable care act, like I appreciate that a lot of people had insurance that were not able to have insurance before. Um, but there were still a lot of people who could not afford insurance there. And there was just, you know, um, the minimum wage. There were just so many things that did not get done. I had a whole thing I was going to say about that, but I just thought about something I forgot to tell you. Or maybe What's I did that? tell you. I don't know. 
that the Republicans said that they're going to take out of affordable health care the eight percent of people that are really sick that jacks up the rates for everyone that's not sick. And yeah. so that's gonna be huge. That's so so those eight percent of people, basically the way it works for people who didn't know, I had a debate with a person this week who said that basically uh healthcare shouldn't have a mandate. You shouldn't have to have health care. So I had to explain the concept of if everyone doesn't have it, you can't get, you know, cheaper rates. Right. You know, like do do you know if you're required to have health care at work? You, I guess you can exit out. Yeah, you can. Yeah, no, because you could easily get health care from a spouse or somewhere else or, you know, or just not That's have true. it. And and they and, and what, what corporate America does is they still have so many people that they don't need every single person to have health care. Right, I'm sure they right. got like uh, over 90 percent, you know, participation yeah, rate. Because anyway, who's going right? to turn down, like, you know, cheaper health care and try to go get it on their own because legally you have to have it now. Right. And so they were upset about that. But I was like, man. It's so much more you could have did for the poor in terms of fighting for jobs. Like you said, minimum wage. He did the health care part, but people don't. It doesn't seem like people are making more money than they did. Eight yeah. Years ago. But I mean, even when you talk about health care, what you just said about that 8%, that's based on a lie. And the lie is that health care is expensive. Health care is, you know, I mean, just the, the whole facade, you know, we talk, we often talk about that value is in the eye of the beholder. They've created prices for things. Um, and then they just say, this is how much it costs. A box of tissue is $50. Um, and your insurance company is willing to, to negotiate that down to 15. Now you owe them $15. So your insurance provider has paid nothing, but you pay them $300 a month. Yeah, you're right. Um, I, I feel like I haven't had insurance in maybe 10 years, you know, um, because by the time I meet my deductible, the year is at the end. You know what I mean? And so I'm, start I'm just the opposite. I don't go to the doctor. I am not on any prescriptions. I'm, you know, all about run it out and take some vitamins. And um, but yet I pay insurance every month. And, you know, for the times that I do go to the doctor, I had to get um, a crown the other day. And they tell you, oh, it's going to cost you your insurance is paying this. It's going to cost you one hundred and fifty dollars. You pay $150, you have the procedure done, and then they come back and say, oops, your insurance didn't pay the the amount that we estimated, so now you owe us another $190. Like, that is that is a lie. How do you feel about going into Election Day? How do you feel about, not Election Day, Inauguration Day? <laughs> um, I have really been avoiding the reality of it. Like, it hasn't even been in my conscience. Um, that, you know, it just really hit me tomorrow is inauguration day. And it's really crazy to me because I kind of am interested in the fallout the next day. I want to hear about the numbers because I have a friend who lives in DC who just said she went to a formal wear, um, store and they were like, yeah, usually around inauguration, we are packed with people. We've had two people come in for dresses. I just can't, I don't know if I'll ever really accept it. Like I still Every day, about five times, just kind of like shake myself. Yeah, I don't like, think anybody's really feeling like it. I'll be sitting. I don't think anybody's really feeling it. I'm, I w- I'm so interested to to hear how many people actually showed up to this to these things. Do you think you'll ever like accept it? You think you'll ever accept him as the president? As an American, um, I think. Did you do you watch Blackish? No, nah, not really. They had an you amazing. What, what? Wait, wait. Let me say, I would not watch Blackish because I hated the title. Right. It's a but good now show. that I'm two years late, I'm, now that I'm two years late, 
uh-huh. it, it, it's starting to look like it's a good show because they attack these types of things. Yes. So I'm committed to watching the next season. I was listening to today. So they already had the show when they were talking about the election? Yes. So they had the okay, show where they showed, um, you know, the, the reaction to the election and they they attacked it from every angle, from the perspective of a white woman, from the perspective of, you know, black um, parents from that. The interesting thing to me was the, the next generation perspective that they got. The next generation was like, OK, let's not worry about this. Let's not, you know, let's not be up in arms about it. We're voting next time and we're not going to let this happen again. Um, And I, I think that was a great um, perspective. But what really got me was the speech on the fact that we are all Americans and as African-Americans, we've been placing our hope in this country for centuries and got nothing out of it. Um, so I think we're at a place now where it's like, okay, this is still our country. We still gonna have hope because we don't have any other choice. That's, that's what we do. But um, we just gonna have to, you know, figure out how to work around Donald Trump. Cause that's what we so, do. So do you have this? I meant to pull the instructions on how not to watch the election. Oh, I, I think no, I it's, it's this simple. Go watch HGTV. Go watch uh, BET. Um, Sports Center. Sports Center, whatever you want to watch. Basically, the whole the whole point of it is to be watching TV during the election. I mean, during the inauguration, but not to be watching the inauguration so that there are ratings on all the other channels and low ratings on the actual publicity of the inauguration. What's the purpose of that? Do you really get that? Basically just to piss off Donald Trump because he's all about attention and ratings. Okay. I guess we'll, I'll, I'll, I will um, participate, um, you know, but uh, I, I, you know, I, I participate. I, I, I'm, I'm, just I'm all for I, it. You know what it is? I'm more, can, I'm more like in disbelief and just want to see it. Like, like really, y'all really not gonna stop and this dude from being president? Like, <laughs> and that is feeding into his egotism. I mean, that's that's, that's you know, that's exactly what he. It doesn't matter where he gets attention from; he just wants that attention. Okay, explain to me this whole peaceful transition of power. Like, you had a good viewpoint on that. Um, I think it's it's basically what holds our nation together. Um. I know from your perspective that you're like, you know, Obama should be trying to blow this place up. But um, in reality, this is not new. We have this is not the first time an election's been rigged. This is not the first time, you know, it was the vote was disappointing to half of the nation. Um, And the reality is, if they pull on that thread that uh, we're having you know, rigged elections and um, the electoral college is really not set up to do what it are really not functioning the way that it was originally set up or doing what it was originally set up to do. Um, if we pull that thread, the whole thing falls apart. So we have to think about elections down the line. Like, what do we do in the next election? If we don't have electoral college, we have to revamp the whole process. I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I'm saying that's the perspective that they're having right now. So we're just going to go ahead with the peaceful transfer of power so that we can keep this status quo. You know what it is? I just don't, I can't can't get into that. Like, I just, I'm not feeling it. Like, I think that everyone, of course, that's not correct to say everyone, but 
just he's not qualified to be. You president. also have to look at it from this perspective. This is the first and only black president we've ever had. Anything he does wrong or different, there goes that Negro not following the rules. I'm not necessarily talking about Obama having to have the people. He he do he be presidential like he is. He's gonna be presidential. Mm-hmm. But I'm tired of hearing it from the media. You know, when the media knows what's going on, when the when when you know that's that's why the I media is with. all about ratings, and Donald Trump is like a rating in and of himself. So how do you how do you feel about okay? So did you hear that on the day that Obama was inaugurated eight years ago, there was a meeting where a number of Republicans got together and basically committed to not allowing any policy success for Obama to ruin him as a president, and that's basically what they've done. Is that hardly any? The only thing that really got passed during the eight years was health care, which was passed in the first seventy-two days eight years ago because Obama had people in office to do it. He had a he had uh, a filibuster and gay marriage and gay marriage. Right? He, he forced those two things too. And so, how do you feel? Like I, I'm I'm torn on should we take the Republican approach and saying that everything that Donald Trump tries to do, we just block it. Or go against it because we don't want him to have any successes? I completely disagree with that. Our whole purpose, or let me rephrase that. The whole purpose of an elected official should be to serve their constituents, period, Mm -hmm. point blank. So if Donald Trump comes up with, you know, some kind of policy that, you know, the skies open up and he really is trying to help people. Do it. Because what happens is if we go along with all these things that Donald Trump wants to do or whatever and say out of 10 things, two are good and eight are bad. Right. He will be perceived. He could possibly be perceived as a good president. Okay. first of all, I'm going to go back to Michelle Obama. When they go low, we go high. So they showed their tails for the last eight years. That's fine. But that doesn't mean we have to do it. So if Donald Trump does two good things. Good. Our first, uh, everyone's first priority should be to help the people. Period. Um, I, I guess I'm just on edge in terms of I clearly see there's a difference in Democrats and Republicans and not just in policy, but in our approach to policy. Like Republicans are steadfast on things and not negotiable, not compromising. Yes. They, I mean, I just cannot believe that we did not get a Supreme Court judge. Like, I really blew that off. Like, I, you know, what was I that? Knew that yeah, uh, I knew that that was going to go through. I, I was amazed. I'm, like, amazed that it's January 19th and merit has still not been confirmed. I mean, it was, like, eight months. Of, uh, was it eight? When, yes. It had to be, like, ten months. Was it, yes. When was it? It was April or something like that? You know, yeah. like, it, it was at least eight months. Yep. I was like, there's no way they can hold out for eight months. Yep. They did it. Yep. They did it. You know what I mean? So, like, I don't, I, they have a, com- a completely different approach. Like, yep. they're not trying to compromise on nothing. And we compromise. And yep. compromise doesn't, compromise not supposed to work like that. Like, Tamara and Steven are compromising. I'll say, hey, let's record at seven. And Tamara will say, no, I need to record at eight. And I, we'll compromise and record at 730. If you were a Republican and I was a Democrat, we would never record. You like, no, we're recording at eight o'clock. Yep. That's it. You know what I mean? And then we record at eight o'clock and whatever happens or doesn't happen, you know, if if Stephen can't pick up his kid from school, 
you know, or, you know, Stephen can't make dinner for the family or whatever happened, whatever the fallout is, we're going to record at eight o'clock, period. That my Ronald Reagan did it and George Bush did it and our forefathers did it. And, you know, I mean, that they only care about their policies. That's it. They don't care about people. They care about policies and money. I was about to say, they don't even care about their policies. They care about money. Yeah, you're right. That is it. I mean, honestly, when you're looking at the health care repeal and, um, you know, what they're doing, like the policy changes they're making right now, it has no bearing on them whatsoever. None. Right. So, um, like, their salaries are not affected. Their health care is not affected. Their jobs are not affected. So they can vote for anything. And just to follow up and answer your previous question, Scalia died in um, February. So it's been 11 months. 11 months with no Supreme Court justice. That is. Yes. You would never. I just did not think they was going to get that account. You see, like, I'm, I'm like, do you feel yeah, what I'm saying? Plenty. In February yeah, last yeah. year, I was like, I was like, yes, bet. Obama's going to get a Supreme Court judge. Another one in. I was like, bet. There's no way they're holding out for eight months. And they held out. Yep. Yep, they really did. And now they're talking about this healthcare thing. Like they really, they really do look people in the face. Look, like I saw Paul Ryan look. You know, I'm sure it's 10, 20, 30 million people watching or whatever. And he just says, "Hey, we're gonna repeal it and replace it." And I'm like, "Y'all still ain't got no plan." No, and no, why? and that's the whole, that's that's the crazy to me. How do you repeal something with no backup plan? Like people but, are but losing, no, no. you're playing with people's lives. No, what's crazier is that we've allowed them to continue to say repeal and replace with no plan for seven years. Yeah. Where they do that at? That's very that's a very good point. They have had seven years to come up with something and have not. For seven years that we've done this with them and they just where where they do that at? Well, you could just say for seven years we're gonna have a plan, we're gonna have a plan, and still come out and look me in the face and say, We're gonna have a plan. But even if you the the whole the pettiness of it is encapsulated in the fact that you have been saying this for seven years and refused to come up with a plan for those seven years because a Democrat was in pre- was in office. Man, that's is so many things. Maybe you know what so, we'll do this show, and we'll feel better after this show. What do you think of that? <laughs> I, I don't know. Trump is still going to be president, but be president. I will say. I, I still disagree. I disagree with acting the same way that they acted. I just, I can't. I'm still a turn the other cheek kind of chick. Okay. So, so basically you're, I just, I going? guess my, if I'm blowing up, um, <laughs> I guess I'm kind of mess- <laughs> you working. Um, but I guess I'm just still caught up on, you know, that they did it for eight years successfully. You know, they they did not pay a price for blocking Obama. But you know what? And to your point, to the stuff that we initially talked about, that might have been why nothing was done for black or poor people. So right, but they but but they so we can't afford another eight years of that. But they didn't pay a price. They paid no price. It's like you do the wrong thing and you suffer no consequences. Well, if they do it for another four years, they will definitely suffer some consequences. No, they're going to do some stuff. They're going to pass some. And and the problem is, and this is what it is about Ronald Reagan, I finally figured out, too. Like, why do they love Ronald Reagan so much when Democrats say Ronald Reagan was the 
Yes. Well, not just that, but Ronald Reagan created enough policies that made it seem like things were good. So, for example, Ronald Reagan cuts taxes. Right. And it's great for today because everyone has more money. But then when Ronald Reagan goes out of office and the government is failing or roads are tearing up or education system, you know, all the things that would have paid would would have been paid for by taxes taxes. are now having a problem because they didn't have the taxes two years ago or four years ago. So what happens is Donald Trump, Donald Trump gets in office, makes all these changes and rules. It's bad for the next president. But while he's in office, he's a rock star. Yeah, well, I mean, that just may be how, how it works. I just, I pray that they are not that short-sighted. But um, I do want to move on because uh, you had an interesting question about Black people participating in this whole Trump campaign or, or Trump um, administration and the inauguration and um, being Uncle Tom. What do you think? Uh, what are your thoughts on that? First, did you hear, like, did you see Steve Harvey met with Donald Trump? Oh yeah, it was. I had a whole long Facebook conversation about that one. You go first. You go first. I don't have a problem with it. I don't have a problem with it. See, okay, you know what? Fundamentally, we just different. Based on the conversation we were just having, yes. Like, but I'm like, that's for show and tell, Uncle Tom, Uncle Steve. Like that's that's for show and tell. Because if Donald Trump really wanted to do something for black people, he would get someone that's in that department who knows, who's familiar with how that department works, and not Steve Harvey. Who got who? Who knows nothing about housing and urban development? You know nothing about that. How's it? Steve knows that. No, he, Steve knows that. So why didn't he bring somebody? You really this? think that Steve? How do you know he didn't? I didn't see nobody come out with him out of the elevator when I saw Donald Trump, Steve Harvey come out. He, I didn't see that in his announcement when he made all these different announcements. They were about himself. You know, come out of that meeting with him and say, I. I didn't see the elevator. I saw a, like the press all in their face and I saw other people around them. So I don't know who all was in that meeting. Even if it was just the two of them coming out the elevator, it was a meeting. Um, you know, and he said he'd uh, talked with Ben Carson. And so I, I don't know who all was involved in that meeting, but I will say, um, I don't know if the president called and asked me to come see him. If I would say no, he Tamara, Okay. No matter who the president is. a very is. complicated question for you. That's a joke. What? Is Donald Trump a liar? Oh, hell yeah. Okay. So he can meet with Steve Harvey and lie to him. Right? Like, it's for show. If it wasn't for show, oh, yes. why do you have to yes. take pictures and what? all that kind of stuff? Like, I got a homeboy that, that lives in Houston. I got a homeboy that lives in Houston, and he works for housing and urban development. What they do is they, they, they find lots in Houston that are, like, broken down or the dilapidated or whatever that word is. Did I say it right? Dilapidated. Mm-hmm. And and mm-hmm. they they right. rebuild those homes or, you know, stuff like that. Steve Harvey don't know nothing about that. He don't know the numbers. He don't know the piping, the, the foundation. My man knows all of that. Like, he knows how to build a house from scratch and knows the budget and all that, the contractors. Steve Harvey don't know what none of that What does Ben Carson stuff. know about it? Okay, so we've already established Trump is a nut and Trump is his his picks. I mean, that's a whole nother conversation. So, I mean, you know, there's no logic behind Trump asking Steve Harvey. But Steve Harvey did say Obama and Trump's transition teams both approached him. He also said that his opinions had not changed. Um, And so he he was, you know, um, basically... He he's trying to see what Trump is trying to what Trump is saying he's about. And I'm I don't saying, see anything wrong with him hearing him out. 
and I'm saying that that Donald Trump is using Steve Harvey as a pawn. Like, like, okay, did you see the post the one around Facebook uh, that Malcolm X said 40 years ago or something like that? Yes, it said yes. that the and that's absolutely the true. first thing a racist does when they come into power is bring in people to say, "Hey, this guy's okay. I met with him. And he's okay. Hey, y'all accept him? Why? Why? Why do we have to accept him? Steve Harvey didn't say that. But that, but that, but when you when he you said, are Steve he Harvey, said, let's see what he's trying to do. No, but but I don't want you to say nothing when you Steve Harvey and you got ten million followers. I don't want you to say. I don't want you to give him no support. I don't. I want. You know what? I want, I want Trump to do some work first and earn the opportunity to talk to our black leaders. Okay, I can, I can. That's one point I can actually I can actually agree with you on. But I honestly feel like the ludicrous. I don't even know what the word is. The ridiculousness of this situation is Trump, not Steve Harvey. What do you? What? I mean, Trump obviously sees us just as entertainers and ballplayers, right. and and that's another reason he he didn't he didn't we don't see no pictures of Trump meeting with no black leaders like like real leaders who are you know a, get, get some pastor get go go meet with TD Jakes you know what I'm saying I guess or something you know what I mean somebody that actually no no because he would meet with TD Jakes because TD Jakes has the notoriety and the following it's not about. Um, T.D. Jakes is is meet with Cory Booker is meet with Maxine Waters meet with somebody who's actually in a Congress who can can affect right. change. meet with somebody who is cha- who is a change agent someone who is changing things right now someone who you went to and said hey what can I do right now to help they can say right now oh okay hold on you know what I'm saying like like they know right now right I agree with you there but I'm, I'm saying the fault lies with Trump Steve Harvey, he was he was a pawn, and he just went and followed and whatever. I don't I don't consider him an Uncle Tom. I'm just like he just went and listened to the spiel. So so you're saying like, you're saying he was a pawn, but it's okay for him to be a pawn. He knew. No, I'm saying he knew. I'm like as long as you're not walking into nothing stupid, and you're just trying to check it out. Why not? I don't. I'm, I'm not understanding. Explain it again to me, but differently. I don't get. What you're saying. We okay. First of all, we know how Trump is. Right. We know Trump is all about Trump. We uh-huh. actually also know Trump helps people if it helps him. Okay, true. So, so why not just go hear what he has to say? The man is the president. He's, you go. Why not? Whether go we hear like what it or not, because he's using Steve Harvey to say, "Hey, black people, see, Steve Harvey thinks I'm okay, so you should think I'm okay, so y'all should relax." Don't push any policy. Use him don't, back. Don't push any policy stuff on me. Don't march on me. Don't have a parade. Don't don't keep fighting. Don't keep calling in radio shows. Give up and relax. And that's Trump's that's Trump's stupidity to think that we are that dumb that we're gonna be like, oh, Steve Harvey said he's okay, so he's okay. It's been proven that a lot of people we ain't that, that stupid. No, you and I are not that stupid. It's a lot of. It's been proven that a lot of people are that stupid, which is why Malcolm X said it forty years ago, and it's still relevant today. A lot of people are that stupid. It's a lot of people that said, you know what? If Steve Harvey met with him, that's good enough for me because Steve Harvey's my man. That simple. Out doing the oh gosh, the critique that right. you and I are doing say. and saying that you know. Um, and saying that you and I, there's people out there that are not doing the critique that you and I are doing and saying, wait a minute, Steve Harvey don't know them about no houses. That's really, really scary that there would actually be. You know that. It don't bother me. 
It don't bother me none that Steve Harvey went to speak to him because I know Steve Harvey had nothing to do with her housing and urban development, so I don't care. We're going to we have to argue about that some more after podcast or offline because we're going to take the whole time. Okay, so we just going to have to create what? Like, you know, rules for the the. Some, we, do something. I mean, we have to have a whole show about when you're being a pawn, wow. when you're being an Uncle Tom, when you're being used. What do you do? Like if I'm like if I'm Steve wow. Harvey, I know I come out of that meeting with an action item. That's what I know. Like I come out with. But he also said his views have not changed. He said he okay, was not so going to the Tamara's inauguration. Gone, his views ain't changed. And um, she just gone. Like, like I got that text message that hey I gotta go and she said her last words and then she was able to go after saying her last words just now it really should have been that she gotta go and she gave me the opportunity to say my last words but she got in her last words and just bounced because she getting married next week so you know she just got excuses now that's what happened so either she making excuses because she getting married next week or her dude just walked in and was like yo get off that podcast or else which is probably the case that's probably how it went down dude just walked in kicked in the door she probably had dinner ready or something you know she gonna continue to cook until they got married you know how y'all do showing out till you get married do you switch up on a dude okay she probably gone she probably ain't gonna remember. I even said that by the time she get married next week. You know what I'm gonna do? Though? I'm gonna finish up. A couple weeks ago, I gave some updates on the cabinet picks for Donald Trump. I want to do that again because now we know a few more. So just to hit on a couple of them, right? And so, um, cabinet picks. Um, number one, there's no Hispanic cabinet picks. This is the first time that's happened in 36 years. So it has. So it's been a Hispanic as a cabinet pick or nominee every election cycle for, you know, the election cycle means every four years, uh, all the way back to Ronald Reagan. So this year there's none. There's only an Asian woman department of uh, labor and, uh, African-American man. I think he African-American Ben Carson. Is he? Yeah. I think he African-American need to double check on that. Um, but I'm going to run through him real quick. Uh, secretary of state Rex Tillerson, He's the CEO of Exxon Mobil. That's basically the end of his resume. Like, that's what he got. He don't have no state policy, no foreign policy, no federal policy, never worked for a state employee, never had state employees, never negotiated on behalf of a country or nothing. He basically has no qualifications except he know about oil in Russia. I think that's what he's going to do. Uh, Department of Treasury, Steve Mnuchin. He is a Wall Street veteran, a partner at Goldman Sachs. Um, before he launched an investment fund backed by Democratic Party supporter George Soros, financed Hollywood blockbusters. Oh, he made Avatar and Suicide Squad. Well, he backed those movies. Um, how can you put somebody in the Department of Treasury that's a billionaire? This is the Department of Treasury. It's just, it's just not going to work. Like, like tax policy, um, you know, conversations about money going offshore, anything of uh, affecting jobs, economy, money, you know, Wall Street bankers, all that kind of stuff. They, he, he going to be for them folks. He's not for us. 
on the it should be the Department of Treasury for the one percent, and then we get a Department of Treasury for the ninety nine percent because he ain't gonna do not one policy change for the ninety nine the ninety nine percent. Attorney General very disturbed by the Attorney General nominee uh, Jeff Sessions, uh, Alabama. Um, he's anti immigrant um, and has already been denied a judgeship amid concerns over the pa- in the past over comments he made by African-Americans. So basically, uh, I don't remember how many years ago it was, but there was a point where he was trying to be attorney general. No, he was trying to be a judge in Alabama, I think it was. And he did not get that judgeship because uh, his of his comments about African-Americans. Basically, they labeled him racist. So I guess now they think he's not a racist no more. Or is that we, what we supposed to think? Or are we supposed to just be cool with them nominating whoever they want for Attorney General, and remember, Attorney General is the person is the highest ranking official of police enforcement, right? So, Attorney General will report to um, the Director of Department of Justice, um, who reports to the President. So, basically, like third in command, I could be off like by by one or two positions or something like that. But I think it goes Attorney General, um, Department of Justice, and then you know the President. And so, this person, but the the top Department of Justice don't necessarily, you know, try to get involved in, um, you know, police type stuff, police state, uh, police brutality, all those types of things that would be entrusted with Jeff Sessions to oversee and um, review. So if you get your butt kicked or killed over the next four years, that's not getting investigated. Don't even worry about that. Um, Homeland Security. uh John Kelly says he's going to be very tough on illegal immigration. Um, I think this is the guy that said there was a, a Islamophobe. I think so. Nothing too much there. Department of Commerce, um, Wilbur Ross, best known for buying failing steel and coal firms, selling them for profit. He was once known as the king of bankruptcy for his history of investing in small businesses and uh, well, not small businesses, but just investing in those types of businesses where he can pull the money out, bankrupt the company and move on. That's not going to be good. Uh, Department of Education, Betsy DeVoe. I need to look up again, but I'm pretty sure that Betsy DeVoe was raised in private school, meaning that she did not go to public school. She went to private school a whole life. Then, of course, went off to college and, you know, all those types of things. So really my point is she doesn't have public school experience, but she's in charge of public schools. And I just learned this week that public schools, the, the issue or the, or the charter school, private school, public school debate is really about breaking the public schools up because the public schools have teachers unions and unions uh, still one of the largest voting blocks is the teaching, teaching unit union. And so Republicans want to break all unions. So really I have been trying to figure out what's better, charter schools, public schools. It's not about what's better. It's only about breaking up the public school system so they can break up the teachers union because private schools and charter schools do not have unions. That's what it's about. Uh, you man, Rick Perry, Texas governor, our governor. Um, what's funny about him is five years ago, he wanted, he made a statement publicly about eliminating the Department of Energy. Now he wants to be the, the the secretary of energy, which basically directs the Department of Energy. That's really funny. You know, it's almost like they don't think we're paying attention. Um, Department of Health and Human Services, Tom Price, he hates Obamacare, but he's going to be in charge of Health and Human Services. 
uh, housing, urban development. Ben Carson, he's a neurosurgeon. He has no experience in government, no experience in housing or urban development, no experience in being black. Um, Department of Labor is the CEO of Hardee's and Carl's Jr., which basically means he's not going to support minimum wage increase. Um, he He's already on record as being in support of automated technology to keep labor costs low. So he's a dude that's a job killer, but he's going to be in the Department of Labor. So I don't know how that's going to work out. Well, I mean, I know that's going to work out, but last one, uh, Department of Transportation. She used to be, this is Elaine Chow. She used to be the Secretary of Labor. Under Secretary of Labor, she did not um, initiate or create any new regulations in the Department of Labor. You know, um, none. And so what's going to happen now going forward is she moves to the Department of Transportation and she's not going to create any more regulations. See, all the Republicans are about deregulation. There's too many departments. There's too many ways to try and keep our water safe and our air fresh and, you know, keep us healthy. Just want to be able to make as much money as they want at our expense. Right. And so really what Republicans do is they put people in these departments as directors or secretaries and hope you know what I mean by secretary. I don't know why a secretary, but a secretary of transportation, secretary of labor, or whatever. It basically means that a president of that department or director of that department. And what they do with these Republicans is they put these Republicans in these places. And then basically the Republicans don't do nothing in those positions. They're not in those positions to do anything for the people. They're in those positions to basically allow people to not be investigated. Like say, for example, a Republican will put somebody in charge of the ethics committee board. Well, then no one is investigated for ethics. So all of these departments with these type of people are being department leads and directors. And we can't expect nothing of these departments. So what it really made me think about is when you're voting, you're not just voting for Donald Trump. You're voting for all these cabinet people, all these decision makers. We are in trouble for the next four years. I wish I could go to sleep like that movie Passengers and just wake up four years. Divorce Not Option Podcast, Stephen James Dixon, Tamara Glaspie. Appreciate you guys listening. You can subscribe to the podcast on SoundCloud, on YouTube, on iTunes, on Google Play. Please, please, please subscribe for us. That is how we generate revenue. That is how the marketing folks understand you know, how many listeners we have and things of that nature. So I need you to subscribe. And what happens when you subscribe is you will automatically get a new message or an email or an update to your phone whenever I post a new podcast. So definitely appreciate people um, doing that for me. God bless. Uh, talk to you next week.